I think what I've found is a lot of people come and they say, if I have the money, I can go do something, right? If I have the money, I can go buy a real estate deal. If I have the money, I can go build uh, a business. Or if I can go build a warehouse, I can create this product and market it to it. But everybody gets that part wrong. The real thing is if you can get customers, if you can get a product that's got a, a proven business model, you will have no problem finding the money. Hello dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of Want Money Got Money. I'm your host Sam Kamani. My today's guest is Nate Peo. Nate is a clean tech entrepreneur and investor. In this episode, he shares his advice on how to take a clean tech startup to the next level. He also gives some practical advice on how you can straight away improve your sales selling ability and grow your business. Before we get into it, I have another announcement. I have just started an Instagram where I would be putting all these notes and putting more info on all the guests and how you can connect with the guests on my podcast and how you can connect with me. So just go to Instagram and search want money got money and you would find it. Having said all that, without any further ado, let's get into it. So welcome to the show Nate. It's great to have you here and it was a lot of fun talking with you last time on your podcast. So first of all, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's good to catch up with you after a few weeks. Yes. And for some of our audience um, who don't know you that well, um, what are you up to these days? I'm up to a lot of things. I've been in uh, real estate development for a lot of years and I started expanding my network. And as I was expanding my network, I had some interest to get into the startup space and I got my foot in the door a few years back, hanging out in some incubators and such and got plugged in with the specifically the clean tech uh, an ecosystem out here in California and uh, just started helping out and advising where I could and it's been, been a pretty exciting journey and so I've been uh, doing a bit of that as well as uh, real estate development. Yep. Oh, I also have a podcast too that we should probably mention but uh, that, that's Absolutely. something that I started up this year. Yes. What's that podcast called? I'll put the links underneath in the description and for- it's called the All In Podcast with Nate Payo and it's a little bit of a the genre is about networking, about building relationships, about building trust with other people and sharing your resources of knowledge with the people you've met, connected with other people around the world. Excellent. And that's how we got connected in the first place. So yeah, it, is. it is a fantastic podcast. I would um, highly recommend anyone listening to check that podcast out. So I wanted to find out, Nate, how you got started in your entrepreneurship journey? Did you always, when you were young, always knew that is something you want to do, become an entrepreneur and do things your own way? Or did you have a different path? No, I definitely had a different path. Entrepreneurship wasn't something I started off wanting to do. I didn't even really know it or understand it for that matter. I'm, in high school, I really liked drafting classes and I liked architecture and I thought that I was going to be an architect. I got to, uh, applied to college in architectural school and was, was stoked. I thought that was my journey. And very quickly, uh, being a part of architecture school, I realized that you have to be an artist to be in architecture. And I wasn't very 
artistic enough and decided that it really wasn't for me. I'd like the drafting part of it, but I wouldn't really cut out to be an architect. And I gravitated towards construction management. So that was where I went. And then after I graduated college, I went and worked for a civil engineering company. And then I worked in the real estate development world for a home builder. And it wasn't until I started reading a lot of self-development books, I started getting an idea for entrepreneurship. And probably the one that stands out the most was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And it talked about, hey, if you want to get significant wealth, you've got to have entrepreneurship or real estate investments. You can't just work for a paycheck. And I think that started uh, a quest for self-development and figuring out how I could build a business and look for opportunities to do something outside of working a a job. And through the the course of reading that book until where I'm at today, I had tried various entrepreneurial journeys and various business ideas with varying degrees of success. And all of them had ultimately wound up not being successful enough to continue. And every time I just looked at, hey, push that away. Don't try to do any businesses. Don't try to start anything up again. That itch would come back and you'd want it to be scratched. And so I was like, how do you do this? How do you scratch that itch? And what I realized was is I could go into advising startups. I didn't have to have uh, devote my full-time energy to something, but I could also provide a lot of knowledge and skills of that I've learned along the way and help others grow their business in startups and hopefully take them to successful exits. That's great. I would love to know a bit more about your experience with working with, did you say, is it clean tech? Clean tech? Yeah. Startup? Clean techs. That's typically, I would classify if you're not familiar with clean tech, is people in clean technology around like electrical vehicle charging, solar, basically renewable energy sources, renewable resources, that type of stuff. That's excellent. I've got solar panels up on my <laughs> roof and I've got an EV as well as a traditional internal combustion car. So I, yes, I'm, I love all the sort of alternative energies and, and the technologies and stuff. How do you help those startups or, or what advice, first of all, you have for the founders of those startups? So typically these type of businesses are not businesses that you can grow to scale in your garage, right? They're not like yes. going out and starting a, an app or a Facebook or an Instagram. They're going to take a lot of capital and a lot of resources to innovate and distribute the product at scale. Yeah. But a lot of people aren't ready to invest the time and energy in developing the ideas. So there's entrepreneurs with the ideas of changing the world around sustainable energy and and clean technology. And so they're creating an idea, but once they've developed a prototype, it's not like they can just build a prototype and sell like 500 of these. They need to sell like 500,000 of them. So the, the way it works is the big companies have the resources to develop the infrastructure for getting the products out and distribute them and selling them into the clients. But they're not really necessarily... Uh, going to be innovative to develop a product from a startup idea until it's proven in the marketplace. So that's where like the entrepreneurs come in. They, they create the idea, they prove it is a sustainable business, and then they're going to look for uh, capital to 
to execute. And a lot of times these, the way the arrangement makes the most sense is you have a product that fits in somebody else's business model. So it's more of an Mm -hmm. acquiring than like an IPO or like an acquisition of some sort or, or raising a ton of capital. So, so they're looking to get acquired by somebody that can take their product and their idea and then mass produce it and then plug it into their distribution channels. And so that's where I have a lot of connections is a lot of the clean tech products have crossover to construction building materials. And that's where I've been in. And so I have a lot of resources within my network of people that work for building material supply companies. Companies. And so I try to, if I work with a clean tech person, I say, hey, this is how your product is, but this is how it would be implemented in real life. This is how it would get sold to the end user. This is actually who the end user would be, not who you think it is, or yeah. this is how your sales distribution is going to happen, or this is neat, but nobody's going to care about this product. It needs to be pitched this way. And um, that's where I help out is getting them uh, a better way of telling their story and putting their story in front of the right, the right people. Yep. <clears throat> Excellent um, advice for anyone in clean tech. So you do see it as a <clears throat> more of a B2B play and a very long-term play when it comes to sort of physical green tech um, startups. Yeah, there's, it's not like something you can um, create today and a year and a half later, scale it to a million users and and, and sell it. But these are things that are going to take years to develop and then they're going to evolve and continue to, to, to grow, but they're going to be very important. There's already a lot of laws changing. People are very concerned about the environment. And so there's going to be investment from companies, investment from governments into these programs to get products from conceptual ideas to real products to real implementations. And then as the technology improves, it becomes more cost effective to do things like solar is very inexpensive now compared to where it was 20 years ago. And now people are taking things and, and adding AI and the internet of things on top of it. And making it really efficient. So one of the companies I work with, they have an EV car charger. And so let's say you plug your car in the park, you pull your car into the garage, you park it, and then you plug it in. And I don't know in New Zealand what the rates are, but the rates in California, prime rates, now they moved them from 5 to 9 p.m. Because there's so much solar on the grid that the the peak hours are now 5 to 9 where they're pulling um, shortage. So Same here. If you, Same here. Yeah, 5 to 9. So if you, the peak so if you come... Yeah, so if you come home from work, you plug your car and you're plugging in and you're charging your car at the most expensive time to charge it. And the least expensive time is probably in the middle of the night. And so yes. what are you going to do? Remember to wake up, go downstairs, plug in your, your car and then go back to bed? Like you're not going to do that. So this one uses AI to read your rates and the best times and it can optimally charge your car at the best, best time for the best rate so that you're paying the least amount of charging as possible. Excellent. Where can I get it? <laughs> because I need it. <laughs> to um, charge my own car. <laughs> yeah, it's just pretty simple. It's a company called Keep the Green Technology, uh, Kidget EV Charging. They're, yep. they're here in the United States. I don't, I don't know if they, I'm sure they could find a way to get you one in, uh, 
I'll uh, check it out. I will. Yes. Uh, and also everything we discuss, any links, whether it is to the All In podcast or any of the startups you're mentioning or any of the books you might mention later on, I will put them in the description. So anyone listening, you can check out the description, whether it's YouTube or on any podcasting platform. So that is excellent. Nate, in your time, you have worked with lots of founders or who have wanted to raise capital or have raised capital, raise money. And also for real estate, a lot of that is needed. The ability to raise funding because you not always are cash flow rich to, mm. <clears throat> to have that initial capital. What advice do you have for anyone who wants to raise funding for their startup, their idea or for real estate or whatever project it might be for? I think what I've found is a lot of people come and they say, if I have the money, I can go do something, right? If I have the money, I can go buy a real estate deal. If I have the money, I can go build uh, a business. Or if I can go build a warehouse, I can create this product and market it to it. But everybody gets that part wrong. The real thing is if Mm -hmm. you can get customers, if you can get a product that's got a, a proven business model, you will have no problem finding the money. So if, if you go and you say, I got no customers, but it's a million dollar investment and we don't know if it's going to make any money, it, you're going to find very few people willing to put that kind of risk out there because you're also competing with investing that money in a million other investments that have put you got the stark market you got easy real estate you got bonds there's other opportunities to put that money in a safer investment so you have to have something that's going to pay off higher uh because there's more risk but also more certainty and so when you have a proven concept with proven customers so let's say Mm -hmm. you you build an mvp you build a very basic product that has no bells no whistles no features but you have a thousand people paying you a hundred bucks a month for that. Like all of a sudden you have a business that says, Hey, what we need to scale this, we could, you know, add these features, add these things and grow the customer base. Then people are more willing to put money behind it because you've proven that people are willing to pay you for it. You just got to put some fire behind that, that idea. So I always say, go test your idea, go out there and see if you can get customers. And if you can test your idea, if you can get customers don't worry about if you sell something that you don't have, like we'll figure out a way to make it and then we'll go from there. And, and people tend to not want to do that. They always sit back and say, I just got to get the idea and I go get the money. If I get the money, then we can go do it. And it's, it's not going to happen. No, it's way. not exactly right. Yes. Yeah. You say that so many people build things when there is no problem or there is um, no market there and they want to just still build it because they like their idea (laughs) and they are the only one who likes their own idea. So yeah, um, you are 100% right that get the customers first. Once you have paying customers, money will come. That's not an issue. Um, Going down on this line and you have worked with a lot of other entrepreneurs and founders, what is one thing that you have found that other successful entrepreneurs do really well? Gosh, a lot of them, everybody's a little bit different, but I think most of them are very persistent in their idea. Like they know that they're going to have to do a lot to get their product over the finish line or get their idea into um, a real business. 
And I think most have this continued desire for education and learning. They're very open to getting at new ideas, uh, new lessons, new mentors, new advice. They're not so rigid in that their way is the only way. They're constantly seeking out help from others, and they realize that they can't do it all themselves. And so they look out for opportunities to bring a good team together. I think that tends to be what a lot of them have is the confidence to bring people together that are going to help advance the project. I love that. They build really good teams. So yeah, thank you for that. When I do talk with a lot of successful people like you, I have seen that they are really good at sales, whether they know it or not. And everyone sells from time to time, whether it's their ideas, concept or all sorts of things. What was the first significant thing that you sold? Gosh, the first significant thing that I probably sold that I actually remember selling was I started a landscape business, landscape and concrete business a long time ago. And I remember selling my first backyard concrete patio. And I remember telling the guy like, hey, I've done a lot of these. I've just never done it as me being the business owner and me arranging it and me doing it. But I promise you, like, we're going to do a good job. We're going to get it done. I I think that one stands out as the first real having to get somebody to say, yeah, I believe that you can do this and then go putting it together and doing it for somebody. Yep. Any tips for any founders or entrepreneurs listening on how to acquire customers, users, or or doing sales better? Yeah, so nobody really wants to be sold to. They want to feel comfortable in the buying decision. So you want to think of it as a conversation of what you do and how you solve it. There's various pain points that somebody might have. And if if your product doesn't solve that pain point, then it doesn't do you any good long-term strategy-wise because you're not going to be able to grow your business on a false claim. So you need to have your product, understand your product or your service, what pain points it solves, and then explain to people, tell a story about how it does it, why that it's a, it's the choice that you should be making to solve this pain point, and the right people will come and use it. If you try to sell your stuff to everybody, it's not going to be very effective. You're going to um, miss the mark on who you're trying to approach. You're not going mm-hmm. to get the response you want because people are going to be convinced to buy something that they don't need, and if they don't need it, they're not going to rave and review about it. You want to really understand who your target audience is and then just speak to them through a conversation and they will be educated about it and they will make the decision on their own and they'll love using that. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that. Really practical advice right there. Before we finish, I have like a few more um, questions. There's these three questions that I ask, which are like quick fire questions just to get an insight into what you're thinking and doing these days. Um, is there a book that you are reading or what was the last book that you read? Right now I'm reading a book by Lewis Howes called The School of Greatness. And I'm almost done with it. It's a really good book. He is a lifestyle entrepreneur, podcast host, but his idea behind The School of Greatness is getting out there and getting connected with amazing 
a smart, intelligent leader type people and learning from them through exposure. So the school of greatness isn't really a school. It's like the school of mm-hmm. hard knocks, but it's a school of studying people who have achieved great things, whether it was sports, whether it was entrepreneurship, whether it was math and science, it's just getting yourself uh, surrounded by really smart mentors and learning from them. Yep. Excellent. Any podcast recommendations apart from All In? <laughs> All In podcast is the only podcast you need to listen to. No, that's, I'm just kidding. I've been uh, recently a guest on a friend of mine. His name is uh, Roy. His podcast is the Innovera podcast. And uh, it's a really cool show for inter- entrepreneurs and is getting away from a lot of the growth and a lot of the rah-rah and like some real applicable actual stuff regarding time management regarding strategy regarding mindset some of that stuff versus just being like stuff yep excellent and if you had unlimited time resources and money what would you build unlimited resources time and money I think I would look to, if it was unlimited, so that would be, I could do really big things. I think I would look to help people have an easy, have a more even start in life. I think that one, people's exposure to education is different from where you are. If you're born in like a, a modern work country, you have access to the internet, you have access to so much more than if you're yeah those type of things everything and when you um can't get past having water having health you know food and stuff like that then becomes harder to educate and and grow your grow what it is your resources are dedicated towards survival instead of dedicated towards humanity so if we could get more people basic needs along the hierarchy of of needs maslow's uh taken care of then we could challenge ourselves to solve bigger and better problems with the world. Excellent. I do believe that whether people acknowledge it or not, but luck of where we are born, where we had no say, has so much to do with where we are today. We would have a completely different role or or what we are doing if we were born in a different gender, in a different part of the world, the different mm-hmm. resources. So, yeah. You are so true right there. Thank you so much, uh, Nate, for your time. Where do people find you and do you have an ask? Are you looking for anything? Um, Yeah, so if you are looking to get connected to me, my website, natepeo.com is where you can get connected to me. That's where my podcast is found. I recently launched an academy for business-to-business sales development people to build better relationships with their counterparts who are their ideal clients so that they can um, basically get their phone calls answered, get their meetings mm-hmm. set up and make better uh, relationships. So when they pitch products, they actually get selected instead of uh, their competitors. So that course has recently gone live and I'm looking for people that uh, would find a value in learning a bit more from the buyer side of the table of how they can be better salespeople. Yep. Is is there any limitation on is that course only for people in US or can it be global? Because for my podcast, I have listeners from 22 countries and 118 different cities around the world. 
I believe it's global. And I think the lessons you would learn are really structured around building relationships. And I think it doesn't matter what culture, there's probably some idiosyncrasies of how you uh, address people and how you behave in certain cultures. But for the most part, it's really about getting to know who the person is you're, you're doing business with and understand them in a way that makes you relatable and builds trust. So I think it, it would transfer no matter where you're at in the world. Excellent. Excellent. That's great, Nate. Thank you so much once again for your time. And I found this super useful and I'm sure a lot of listeners would find this episode um, very helpful, whether it was your insights on entrepreneurship or sales or acquiring that first users and, and funding. So thank you once again, Nate. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time chatting with you again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.